0: welcome to kuhau podcast we thank you for tuning in if this is your first time listening in with us we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family wherever you're joining us from we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life now stay tuned for today's message we're going to go to luke chapter 7 verse 37 to 50. it's a little long just bear with me i promise you i won't preach the whole thing I'm just pulling stuff out of there, but I just want to give you a background before we dive in. Oh, thanks, right. It says, a sinful woman in the town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind Jesus at his feet crying. She began to wash his feet with her tears, and she dried them with her hair, kissing them many times and rubbing them with their perfume. When the Pharisee who asked Jesus to come to his house, saw this. He thought to himself, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know that the woman touching him is a sinner. Jesus said to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon said, teacher, tell me. Jesus said, two people owe money to the same banker. One owed 500 coins, the other owed 50. They had, been, they had no money to pay what they owed. The banker told both of them that they did not have to pay. Which person loved the banker more? Simon the Pharisee answered, "I think it would be the one who owed him the most money." Jesus said to Simon, "You' are right. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, "Do you see this woman? When I came to her house, when I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss of greeting, but she had been kissing my feet since I came in. You did not pour oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. I tell you that her sins are many. Her, her many sins are forgiven so she showed great love but the person who is forgiven only a little will own will love only a little then Jesus said to her your sins are forgiven the people sitting at the table began to say among themselves who is this per- one who, who who is who who is this sorry who who even forgives sins Jesus said to the woman because you believe you are saved from your sins and go in peace Father, I just thank you, oh God, for for who you are and what you continue to do in our lives. Father, I ask you, Lord, that we may rest in this place here today, oh God, knowing, Lord, that you have our back and that you love us so much more than we can ever imagine. Father, I thank you for the honor and the privilege of being able to speak your word here today. And, Lord, I ask you today, oh, God, at 4 o'clock when the Giants play their home opener, oh, God, that we may beat whoever they're playing today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if it matters to me, it matters to God. Amen. (laughs) Hoppy's like, I'm not a Giants fan. So, Throne Room, I'm excited. So, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mei Ling, and... and um. I'm a leader here at the church, and I have three beautiful children, three absolutely beautiful children who I adore, that God has blessed me with. Um, I speak about them often. A lot of you guys may not know, actually, because you've probably only seen my little ones, is that I have an older one who's 19 years old. I know. I don't look it. That big 6'3 guy belongs to me, and I promise you, I promise you that he did not come out like that. He only came out eight pounds. I promise. So all of this, and I say, I have my children, and they, have, they were born with such talents and capabilities that I can't even see. I think I haven't even scratched the surface on what they're capable of doing. I don't think they've scratched the surface of what they're able to do, right? So my son, Zach, is 19 years old. He came home from college, he's taking the year off, but Zachariah is a huge, huge, huge debater. If Zach believes in something, he will stand firm in what he believes in, right or wrong, He will stand firm and say, nope, I know, I got this. I know what I'm talking about. I'm like, all right, you know, we go the back and forth. But, you know, most of the time I'm right because I'm mom. Amen. And the parents say, amen. I know. (laughs) But the confidence that he displays is absolutely ridiculous to me. The same thing with my second child, who's eight, going to be nine, Jeremiah. (laughs) So let me give you a little context here. We went on vacation about a month ago to the beautiful Bahamas, guys, keep them in prayer from Hurricane Dorian. Amen. I see him grab my phone and I'm like, "What are you doing?" So when I go to look and I see and I look at my phone, I'm like, "What? No, 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 no. We are not doing selfie pics in the cruise room. That's not what we're doing." And I say that because I'm like, what confidence? And he's like, Mom, but, you know, look at me. He's eight (laughs) years old. I'm like, what? What do you mean, look at me? And just to go with this story, on Wednesday night before he got to school Thursday, he's like, Mom, I'm going to be the cutest kid in school tomorrow. And of course I said, of course you are, right? But, you know, again, the confidence in him is absolutely amazing. And then we have... My four year old who's gonna be five tomorrow. My darling Amariah. And she also gives out this confidence and this personality in her that she just walks into a room and she demands attention. And I'm not just making that up. I went to the doctor a few weeks ago and the doctor met her sat with her for about two minutes I had walked into another room to get something and came back in she's sitting there talking to him and the doctor said this to me I promise you he said let me tell you that your four-year-old daughter is confident and competent and those are crazy things to have at her age and they're good things to have and I said oh you got all of that from your two-minute conversation oh spend spend a day with her she thinks she's the boss but the confidence that they, they, you can show the other picture of her. Those are my parents. That's my daughter who, again, has no problem sticking out her duck lips and her peace sign. And I promise you those are things I'm trying to get them to shake, but man, listen. But the, the, I sit back and I wonder how sure, how, why are they so sure of themselves at that age, right? They've barely lived life. I mean, sure, my 19-year-old went to college and came back, but we know, right? There's things that shake our confidence. There's things that we, are, that we um, encounter in our lives that shake our confidence completely. And I wanna share with you something because I think the word confidence and boldly kind of creates this thing within us, like if we have to stand proud at all times, right? When you hear the word confidence, you're like, yeah, the, I got this, right? I, I, hear me roar, I'm, I'm the one, right? And, and, and I think that sometimes when we look at our, our, our worship songs and we look at these things, we're like, what does that actually mean? And I'm just gonna focus on the two verses in throne room because I wanna, show, I wanna, I wanna think about of a different type of confidence, a different type of, of um, um, play on that word, right? And it says, dream after dream, you are speaking to me, breathing word after word of kingdom come. It says, here at your feet, I can see the unseen. Truly, one look at you and I'm undone. Grace upon grace, all my fears fall away, your perfect love for me remains. Time after time, you stay close by my side, burning fire inside I can't contain. And then the chorus goes, and I run to the throne room. And that was very hard for me not to sing, just so you guys know. (laughs) So we are constantly being bombarded by words that affect the way we live our lives. One of the biggest advantages in Christ is that we can go directly, uh, can go directly into His space, into His presence, and also be bombarded by what He has to say about us. Right? We have that. We have that access now, and we run to the feet of God. And I think about, and I thought about the woman, the sinful woman in Luke chapter seven, and I said to myself, as I'm sitting here and I'm putting everything together, I said to myself, I said, man, I said, this woman did exactly what we fight to do all the time. She did exactly what we fight to do all the time. And it says here, it says, so verse 37 says, a sinful woman in town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And I thought to myself, how weird is that description? A sinful woman. It's such a weird description because I'm like, Lord, but aren't we all, right? Don't we all fall short? And then I started thinking, and some people say that she was a prostitute, and that's, you know, I guess that was a nice way of trying to, you know, label her at the time and then I started thinking I wonder if the person, the, the writer of Luke, I wonder if he was thinking to himself, I need to, this needs to be a broad description Right, it can be a sinful woman who has lust, a sinful woman who's hate, or a sinful woman who has pride. Like we, so allow ourselves to insert ourselves into that story, right? Because we already know that God, that, that Jesus had done miracles, right? We already know that Jesus had walked through the land at, the, at some time at this point, and He had already done certain miracles for different people, right? We knew He met the Samaritan woman, where the Bible does not hesitate to tell you that she had five husbands and had the extra, and the one that she was with was not hers. So I'm like, why just a sinful woman? I said, but you know what? Let me, inser- let-, let, us- let me insert myself there. So Maylene goes to the house. And she finds herself there. And at that precise moment, she wasn't worried about what she had done or what others would say. She did exactly what we fight for. She, did- she went into the throne of God. She went to Jesus' feet, right at his feet, no matter what was happening around her, she just walked right in. And I say walked right in, but I'm pretty sure she was in there trembling because there was a house full of people, and she didn't belong there. But yet, she walked right in. And maybe she knew it was risky, but she knew that she had to get there. And the verse says, and she stood behind Jesus at his feet crying. She began to wash his feet with her tears, and she dried them up with her hair, kissing them many times and rubbing them. With the, perf- with, her per- with the perfume. And then I thought about the bravery as she walked in. And, and I just want to share with you guys today, if you're writing something down, I want you to, I want you to grasp this. And, the, and it says, not the confidence in me, but the confidence in he. Right? Because her circumstances, whatever they are in her sinful nature, could have prevented her. If she got to herself, you know what I'm talking about, the thoughts that you have of the shame, the guilt, the not knowing. Oh my goodness, look what I did, look what I said. You know that those things creep in, but God is saying here today that it does not matter because it's not the confidence in what you have done, but it's always the confidence in what he has done. It is always the confidence of what he continues to do in your life. It is never of those around you. We cannot we cannot live our lives seeing this level here. We must always see the level at the advantage point of the cross. Because that is, what is he, that is what he is looking at. He is looking at, look, I did this for them. I died for them. I died for her. I died for you. And I'm telling you that it not, oh, has nothing to do. Your guilt, your shame, nothing to do with you. It has everything with the perfect work that I've already completed. She stepped right into, right behind him. The Bible says that she came up behind him to his feet. And I want you to take note of that small detail in verse 38. Because then as I, was, as I was listening and I was trying to figure it out, and I've read this story, I don't know, gazillions of times, right? I thought about, I actually saw the picture in my head of her coming up behind him. And it made me think of, an, of, of another verse. And it made me think of how Jesus' shadow was probably covering her as she has stepped in into the presence of the Most High God. And I said, my goodness. I said, Lord, I, right there on my sofa, I said, Lord, how good are you to us? That even in this small is this more where we think it's an insignificant detail, but it is such a huge detail because her, your shadow is covering her, and that is exactly what happens when we walk into the throne room of God, when we walk in surrender, when we walk in looking for Him, His whole presence covers us. It covers us. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with how good he is, how faithful he is, how much he loves us. And that is where we find grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace in that space. And this is exactly what this woman did without her even, I don't even know if she knew it. She just, she knew she had to get in. She knew she had to get in. And I'm believing there that she found her tower of refuge, right? Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So that goes to tell me that when I am feel like I cannot, I can walk directly to the feet of my Savior. And he is always willing and able to be there for me, speaking word after word of kingdom come. Word after word of kingdom come. He's not reminding me of what I've done. He's speaking to me about word after word of everything that has proceeded out of his mouth before I even fell, before I even messed up, before I even did the thing two minutes ago. He was already, he had already said it. Everything that came, that comes out of his mouth was already set. Can we praise God in this place? Psalms 91, 1 and 2 says this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. In the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust him. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation of those who come postured uh, uh, in, in, at, at his feet, searching, searching to, be, searching to be spoken to, searching for life to be breathed into them. There, there is none. It, there is none. And I think this woman understood that. Because can you imagine, I mean, she, not only was she in a place where she wasn't supposed to be, she was a woman in a crowd of men. And it reminds me of the other woman with the issue of blood where she had to push through. And at this precise moment, she was caught up in the presence of Jesus that she forgot. I can imagine that she forgot everything else around her, everything else that she had done. Because in his presence, she was able to become undone, right? The Bible says that she was crying. She was crying and wiping his feet. I don't know about you guys, but since Jesus has stepped into the scene in my life, I am a baby, and if you know me beforehand, I was not. <laughs> but I know that in that shelter of the Most High, I can be me. And I can become undone. And He can see all of it. And He's willing to see all of it. And you know how sometimes we wanna hide things? Like my husband, shout out to the sound guy. Not Kevin, the other guy, John. who hides things in my cart when I go to the supermarket, when we go food shopping, and then I get to the cash register and all of a sudden, I'm like, where did these 20,000 pounds of Oreos come from? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But all our fears, our doubts and our hurt, anger, all of that fades away because we run into him who knows everything and he paid the price for us anyway. Never mind for those who were going against him. Because in verse 39, if we go back, it says that the Pharisees to themselves said, if he only knew who this woman was, he would be a prophet. And I'm here to say today that God knows who you are. He knows what you've done. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do when you walk out the door. He knows what you're thinking right now. And still he's saying today he does not care. It does not matter because he has paid the price and he paid a hefty price for each and every one of us here today. He has paid a hefty price for all of us here. And it was also never mind who came against her. We've all experienced the whispers when we mess up, right? Oh, don't you go to church now? Aren't you a Christian now? We've all gone through it, right? I say that to myself when I screw up. When I mess up, I'm like, oh my goodness. Really, really, you should know better. You should know better. And I believe that the Pharisees at the time didn't understand the scandalous grace that that woman was experiencing at that precise moment. The Pharisees only knew one way to go to God. They only knew one way. The only, new, the only way to go into, into the presence of God was through the Holy of Holies. And I want to share with you Hebrews 10:11. It says, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. And you say to yourself, if they never could take away sins, why is that? <laughs> why did they think that was the only way? But in the Old Testament, that's exactly what it was. In the tabernacle, they had a veil, a veil that covered. Here's my veil. Shout out to Victor and Louis. They had something that covered the presence of God because you can only be qualified one person on the Day of Atonement to go through and enter into the presence of God. The purpose of the veil was to hide and to bar everyone from entering the symbolic presence of God except the high priest. It told sinful men that they could not approach God except by his prescribed means. It stood in the way of God's presence. It was a closed door. So can you imagine the Pharisees' thoughts and faces when they saw this woman stepping right into to her, to her to the feet of the Savior, to the feet of Jesus. It says, the high priest. I'm sorry, the only person who would enter the Holy of Holies and remain alive was the high priest with the blood of the substitute sacrifice. And then, and that was only once a year. But he could never enter without the blood. It was a constant reminder that we were separated from God. It was a constant reminder. In no way, shape, or form was she even qualified according to the Old Testament law. No way, shape, or form was she even qualified if he only knew they said if he only knew we can rest assured that he knows and that he didn't know and jesus didn't know that day and yet we find ourselves in the same scandalous grace that she did that day the same grace that he extended to her he extends to us and this is why walking into his presence not not because i am good but because he is good and he is faithful because he loved me first he loved us first because he gave us access to step into this place where you can hear his whispering, where you can hear your heart being mended, where you can feel your troubles going, slipping away, where you can still, still keep trusting in him because he has been faithful. We are unfaithful, but he remains faithful. The confidence in he, this is point number two, the confidence in he makes us qualified. The confidence that we have that in what God has done makes us qualified. The sacrifice that Jesus made makes us qualified. Nothing that we have done will ever measure up to his sacrifice. And that is, and that is a, a great example of why we're able to enter in and we're able to be there with Jesus, and we're able to come here on a Sunday and and tell heaven to kiss the earth because of that access that Jesus gave us. And this is why we worship. And this is why we worship in the hallways. And this is why we worship in the time of trouble. And this is the time we worship when we're in the good and the bad and the ugly and we don't know. And this is why we worship when we walk down the street. And this is why we worship when somebody steps on our toe. And this is why we worship when we get cut off. And this is why we worship because the access that has been given to us is the access of what Jesus did for us. The confidence in him makes us qualified to be able to gain access to the most high God, the creator of this universe, the creator of every galaxy, the creator of every fish in the sea, the creator of every animal on earth, the creator of every plant, of every rock, of every gravel, of every worm. Jesus did that for us. The good grace that he extends to us Hebrews 9, uh, Hebrews 10, 19 to 23 says this. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the holy of holies, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart and unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. I don't know about everyone else, but that sounds like a lot of pressure on the other end of the spectrum. And all this is saying to us is that we hold on without wavering. In the hope in Jesus I wanted to demonstrate to you guys exactly what occurred the day that Jesus died on the cross I'm a visual person I saw the whole thing in my brain and I'm like Lord I need to do it justice when Jesus was crucified on the cross and he said it is finished and then he also, he, the Bible says he also gave up his spirit. At that precise moment, the veil in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament law tore in two. The Holy of Holies was, right, as I said, the only place where God's presence was in at the time. And you had to be qualified, and you had to do it through blood. And that day when, God, when Jesus said, it is finished, it is done. We now have full access to everything that God is and everything that he has done. The veil is no longer there. And that's why I'm believing that in the Hebrews when he says, walk in confidently and boldly into the throne of God. It is only because the confidence that we have in Jesus and what he accomplished over 2,000 years ago. It is only in that place that we're able to walk into this place. And see the presence of God so tangible. It is the only place there where we hear His grace and His words and we become undone and we become a hot mess. It is only because of that. It is only because of that. So I said to myself, I said, Man, Lord, I said, but you know that confidence and bold makes us puff up. And then I felt, I felt when God said, You know what, what if that looked like? When I say walk into my throne confidently and boldly, what if that looked like a place of surrender? Not because of what you've done, but because of what I've done. And so what I'm saying to myself, I'm like, wow, Lord, how am I supposed to show this? How am I supposed to show this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a veil. And guys, I'm not creative. And as I read the words of it is finished, and I read the words of the the veil tore in two, that very moment. I said, Oh my Lord, the access that we have to you is no longer held by this. The access the the access that we have to you can no longer our own things cannot hold us back from the access that we have to God. Our own self cannot hold us back. Our thoughts cannot hold us back. Our actions cannot hold us back. He is too good. He is too good. Jesus did too much that day on Calvary. He did too much by being obedient to to his purpose. He did too much because he loved us. He did too much that day because he thought of us. He did too much. So when it said, he said, it is finished. And the Bible says he gave up his ghost, And the Bible says that the veil went like this it is gone and this time the access is this the access is no longer that there's a wall between you and your savior there's no longer a a a wall between you and what you have done and god he's saying no 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 that veil came down and you have the full access the full confidence the fullness of me in this place. It is in the place of the throne room where we can see God face to face, where we can see that all our fears just dropped by the wayside. It is there in the throne room at the feet of Jesus. And that sinful woman at Luke understood that when she got to Jesus' presence, none of it mattered. None of it mattered because the shelter of the Most High covered her. It embraced her. It loved her no matter what. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. As we enter into this place of the throne, and I want all of us to come up as we enter into this worship set, because I want us to know that your daddy, your father, your savior is standing right here. And he is willing. He is willing to cover it all. He's saying today, come into the shelter of the Most High. He's saying, come into the throne room. I've, I've given you this access. It doesn't matter. 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 He's saying, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm telling you, come into this place where nothing around you matters but me and you. Me and you. Hebrews 10, 12 says this, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. As we remember, I want us to know that we have an advocate in Jesus. We walk through the veil that is torn and remind ourselves of God's goodness and what he has done and what he has established, what he has decreed in our lives. As we begin to hear the words of kingdom come here today. We begin to hear the words of grace. Our hearts begin to unlock because we have the confidence in him. We walk into this place outside. His doing is louder than anybody who whispers around us. His molding of us becomes greater than the molding that our life our life has tried to do to us. Our confidence in him will set us free. As we stand up here today, I want us to show, I want us to know that surrendering to God has nothing to do with weakness, but everything to do with the confidence of what he has done. For a long time, there was no surrendering in my life. being in church, being a leader. For a long time, there was no surrendering here. But the day that I did, there was no pointing a finger. The day that I did, I heard Jesus say, just come. Just come. There was no, oh, you held on to that. There was none of that. It was just Come just come because he's been waiting. He's been waiting in this place. He's been waiting for his presence and his shadow to over, overwhelm us in such a way that we have no idea what to do with ourselves. The woman was able to understand that the confidence that she had in Jesus and the miracles that he had performed that what she had heard was greater than her circumstances. because she believed Jesus said this to her in verse 50 because you believed you are saved go in peace the only thing that God is asking us to do is believe the words that come out of his mouth embracing what he has done for us He's not asking you to change. He's not asking you to leave that behind. He's not asking you for any of that. He's asking you to come surrendered into the shelter of the Most High, into His presence, and let Him do the undoing. As we look at the chorus back at dream after dream, and I started reading this, and I sing this song, and I'm like, all right, Lord, I got this. But let me show you something that I saw that I never saw before. And as I started reading the lyrics, and it says dream after dream, and it says you are speaking to me. You are breathing to me. You are giving me words of words. Here at your feet, all I'm doing is I can see the unseen because of you. Grace upon grace is all him. Your perfect love is all him. Time after time, he stays there. The only thing we have to do is run to the throne room. That is all he's asking us to do. I run. Everything else is on him. All he's asking you to do is run to this place where he knows that he can cover you. Let him love you. Father, I just thank you. Lord, you are worthy. You are so worthy, Father. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.